everybody, you're listening to the On The Bright Side podcast, the show that covers all things you need to know when it comes to business to business, lead and demand generation. Our guests are here to help you grow your business. My name is Robbie McGregor and I'm super excited to share with you today's conversation. Let's dive right in. Daisy, it's your first podcast, isn't it? Yes, it is. And I'm slightly nervous. But okay. it's nice to be doing it with you, Robbie. Okay. Well, don't be nervous because actually you're pioneering the way, right? You you started your own business. Um, I suppose I could call it a family business, can I? Is that right? I suppose I can call it a family business? Sort of. Sort yeah? of. Do you want to explain that to me, Daisy? Um, so Fergus and I are a couple. Okay. Um, so Fergus and I are business partners and um, Ben Flatman, our, our third partner, um, I'm not actually related to him. I'm not engaged to him, of course. But um, yeah, we are. Um, we used to work at Smartsheets. That's how we met, and then we set up the business just over a year ago now. Um, and then since then, um, yeah, we've h- hired my my sister. My dad does our recruitment. Uh, so yeah, I'm very fortunate that my family have the skills that one needs to to start a business. Um, so yeah, I've been. Uh, leveraging my immediate network quite extensively good on you, good on you. and what's, what's that been like as a as a as a woman founder is somebody who's leading in a, in a new industry essentially i know um four years um your history of smart sheets is about four years deep isn't it um something like yes that. um so i know that doesn't seem like it's new but in terms of a market and industry terms it's quite a new thing you're doing right and you guys yeah. are leading the way in the UK. I know you're one of the biggest partners of Smartsheet. So you're doing big things, right? How, how has that been in terms of just starting a business, Daisy? It's a massive step, right? Yes, it's been a, a journey for sure. Uh, yeah, it's just, um, you know, it's going to be hard work in the first year, but no one can prepare you for the amount of work mentally and physically that goes into setting up a business. And both Ben and Ferg and I have said to each other on multiple occasions, we don't know how someone does this on their own. We're very fortunate that there's three of us and we've got different skill sets and we can kind of support each other. You know, if if one of us is feeling a little bit deflated and yeah, we're just, we're very lucky to have each other. But yeah, it's been, it's been very hard work. Um, It's kind of just on your mind all the time. Yeah. You know, it is a it, it's our baby. Um, cool. We want to make yeah. sure that it's successful. We're also working with a lot of customers um, that we love working with. We want to make sure that they're having the the best possible possible experience. And um, yeah, we want to keep on growing. We want to keep keep the standard of our engagements high. Um, so yeah, it, it's all about just running on a, on empty at the moment. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I'm really happy with with how it's gone so far. But you're 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 Daisy. You're from a customer success background, aren't you? Um, yes. I'm guessing it yes. kind of run through your your veins a little bit. I'm projecting here, but I'm guessing it does. Um, yeah. Is that was that around the motivation of starting the business, and 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 is that what gets you know, gets you going with the Voca and getting you you know when you get into work? Is it customer success you're trying to achieve? Is it um, a bit of tech? What what gets you guys? Well, you in particular, Daisy, running uh, in the office nine to five. Fergus, I'll yeah. ask you this later, mate. So what I would say about that is 
um, we're very much focused on customer experience at Smartsheet. Um, ben, Ferg and I are, were from different teams uh, and we have experienced when engagements have gone well, when customers have really got the most out of the platform and had a great experience. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we wanted to capture and take with us to Invoker. Sometimes it's quite hard to keep everything connected across the, the different teams that are working with a customer to deliver a, a solution. Mm -hmm. um, but we're very fortunate at Invoker that we're a boutique agency um, and we're, we're able to, to work in a pod and, and provide that end-to-end -end engagement. And yeah. yeah, it's kind of at the focus of, it's the at the center of what we do, um, customer experience. Um, that's always, we, we Ferg often says, um, what's a, is it a level 10 Ferg? No, 11. a level 11. Um, okay. So kind of, yeah, above the best possible experience that we can give, give customers. And we try and kind of get our, we aim to make our consultants think about that all the time, every time they engage with customers. So it's, um, it, I mean, it's really interesting because, um, forgive me for the analogy, but, and I think it's really prudent right now and, and mine that the business world has changed massively, but what you seem to seem to be is a bit of a speedboat here um, in terms of implementing and helping customers out. You're clearly experts at what you're doing, um, which is massive a massive value add to your clients. But um, you're actually quite close knit as a team, right? Um, and I know you've got you, 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 your colleagues who support you around it all. But um, uh, uh, another guest of the podcast actually mentioned that um, you, what you've got in the business landscape now, particularly in B2B business, is you've got like these big oil tankers of businesses that are just motoring on. But the ability to get things done and get things signed off or change um, is because they're an oil tanker takes a while, right? You've got to get all of the, all of the shipmates aboard to, to start moving left or right. And it takes a while. Whereas when you're a speedboat like Invoker, you can, I'm guessing you can implement things quite quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. We can, quite accurately. Yeah. We can be more agile because we're a small team, but it's also about being flexible as well to work with different organizations, depending on the industry type, the size how that organization likes to communicate or manage change. Uh, and we're we're very fortunate that we can be adaptable and, and work with customers to understand the best way of working and helping them through that transition to a new way of working. Cool. Um, I mean, that, that's, that's um, I mean, that rings true as well with the, uh, we won't mention names, but the sorts of clients you're working with as well are, are, are huge organizations, right? um which is a credit to, to you and the, and the team um but that's you know that's i think that's probably representative of what you're able to achieve as a as a small team working with bigger clients is um is quite remarkable really so i mean going back to the journey of founding your own business guys and you're in is it year two you're in now year two yeah, yeah just yeah. moved into year two yeah we're, awesome. we're a month and uh, just under a month away from from our anniversary so we just awesome. passed it Awesome. So how, how's that first year been? I mean, like, uh, you're motoring along, you are literally motoring along. Again, we won't mention the clients you're working with, but they're big, big organisations and you're, you're doing big projects. Uh, just how? How did you even, how did you guys even start this? Whose idea was it out of the three of you? 
or is it a collaborative jump? Like, talk to me about that process because there'll be a lot of people listening who will be leaders in businesses, will have their own journey. Um, but I think it's quite important to get under the hood of your like the why you're doing what you're doing and, and why you decided to, to try forward. Yeah, and I suppose because we used to work at Smartsheet, we're in a very fortunate position to see firsthand where the gaps were in the space, in the partner network, and where we could potentially slot in. And because we worked in different teams, we had different perspectives. And I think the initial conversation was between Fergus and I, probably over a glass of wine. Um, We were kind of talking about, you know, opportunities for Smartsheet and the best experience for customers because Fergus managed the professional services team. So he was, you know, across most of the internal projects that were being delivered at that time. So yeah, we just had, we had a really good understanding of what a good Smartsheet project looked like and what a good customer experience looked like. And we saw areas where potentially that could be improved. So that was really how the conversation started. I think, I, think, I think one of the interesting things to talk about is actually a lot of end users, a lot of businesses that are buying software won't necessarily understand the dynamics between the software vendor and the partner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, lots of these software companies, they do have internal professional services teams, they have their own support teams, but actually um, what we found was that in the partner space, we were much more able to represent the customer in that situation rather than the vendor. And you know, what we want to do is provide that level of service to the customer. We want them to have you know absolute transparency when it comes to you know what they're buying, what they're getting. Um, and it's just a bit more of a longer term relationship. You know, typically within any SaaS company, account managers, account owners are there for a year, and then books change at the end of every financial year. The books get rejigged, so customers can see a lot of change within accounts within the teams that are supporting them. And one thing that we can do, you know, we want to be working with these customers for five, ten years. They're big customers. If we can keep them on Smartsheet for that long, that's an amazing relationship that we can kind of steward um, as long as we're working with them. And within us, they'll see less change than they see within the internal teams their account management teams so that's what we're really trying to do bring that consistency bring that um the relationship the trust and make sure that you know they are being represented in the situation and they're, they're getting the best tool for for what they need awesome no, that yeah makes and i think fun. i was just going to add there i think because of the size of customer that we work with you know on the most part relatively big uh they kind of expect that consistent team working with them and that's definitely what we can provide and as ferg says there's a lot of movement um in within SaaS companies um based on you know fiscal year um so that was always a, a frustration of mine you kind of you know start off with a customer and build a good relationship set out some goals and then you have to move on at the end of the year um so at invoker you know it's really nice being able to to look at not just the the next year but you know what is the the goal for smartsheet within your organization over the next five years and how are we going to partner with you to get you there that makes complete sense and i think that's um i mean from, from my experience as well in, in previous businesses is, is actually when you get to a longer term relationship with with particularly in the b2b world right where you say people change they're actually there to do their job first and then the relationship 
sometimes come second and actually the relationship should come first and the job should come second right because it's about building trust and about um yeah, getting to a place where you kind of um understand each other i guess is is the right is the right word i mean i used to refer to it as shorthand with with clients is like there's i can i can tell you various large organizations where i'd be talking to the you know the buying directors of the buyers and and their teams respectively the stakeholders that, that make things happen and you, you develop a bit of a shorthand with each other you get an understanding right which makes things a lot slicker and easier and, and successful essentially um but i mean you've touched on lots of points in terms of success there with clients for in a, in a business to business world which Smartsheet and you guys are focused on right um, what do you think leads to successful implementation of a, of a SaaS um, product essentially um, and then sustaining it onwards from there um, it's all about having having a buy-in um, from the employees um, so firstly you've obviously got to have a really strong engagement a, a strong solution in place um but it's also about having those champions in your team um, or champions across your business that are gonna buy into that that product that platform and then be the go-to people for that that product um, as you roll out the training um and and the adoption of that technology. So I would say when uh, I would say that the customers that we work with where we've seen most success is when we've had a, a team of, of champions that we've worked with from the outset. Um, and they are responsible for, you know, promoting that technology and um, it's really interesting because yeah. it's you, you it's with the um well with the account management but also in the sales environment um is you it's super important to understand the lands we call it the landscape of a of an organization or of a prospect or of a of a customer in this case um and within that landscape what i'm picking up that daisy is you're talking about all the stakeholders being aligned right and knowing who the influencers are essentially i guess um you know the people that okay for you guys, I'm guessing there's going to be um, project managers, right, who are heavy influencers for you guys. And I'm guessing there's then a director who makes a final decision. But you've got to try and get everybody aligned, I'm, a sen I'm guessing, and lobbied and um, <clears throat> bought into, well, actually, to you guys, I guess. That's how it works for Invoker, right, is they... They buy a smart sheet, sure, that solves a problem, but you guys are the ones that um, work essentially yeah, work with them and get that get them hyped about it, I guess. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. And I think I think that's where we're seeing the difference actually. Um, so the credibility. So I think customers are understanding that, you know, we're not there just to sell. Uh, you know, we're not getting huge slugs of cash from product sales. You know, we we are successful when our customers are successful already. The more the more information that we can give them about tool, the more detail, the more technical expertise, really. And this all goes back to what Daisy was saying about, uh, you know, you need that buy-in. It's interesting. One of the customers that we're currently working with, we're doing a big proposal, and it literally says in the document, it's about the chemistry here. So how do we work as a team? You know, what are you getting from us? How are we working together with you? And and that's the difference that that I feel, and I won't kind of. 
uh, I don't want to toot my own horn, but as invoker, um, do it. You know, the I'll credibility. Do, you like. <laughs> do it, Ferg. Do it. Well, the, not not my not me personally, but as a company, that is where we're really strong. We all came from different backgrounds. From within SmartSheet, I was professional services. Ben was very much um, a bridge between professional services and sales. Daisy had great customer success experience, and she was one of the early people within that team who had to really forge and find solutions and work with customers you know so she developed so many different skills in that area she then moved into the sales team as well so she has that commercial mindset and the combination of these three different skills i feel makes us uh, you know really uh, kind of unique versatile agile pod daisy referenced pod earlier but you know put us in front of customers we feel like actually we're not talking about cash. We're not talking about products. We're talking about relationships and trust and, you know, how can we help them get to where they need to be? And I think that hopefully differentiates us from some of the other guys out there. I find, you know, it's it's not hard to find a technology that you're passionate about and go and start a company trying to help people doing it. Um, and we see our competitors doing that all the time. But actually, it's the deep technical knowledge, it's the deep internal knowledge of Smartsheet and their working that, that really help, hopefully helps us stand out and develops that credibility immediately with customers from day one. So and that's what, all down to, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, what I would add to that as well is it's the ability to be able to speak technical to a non-technical audience. Yeah. Because Smartsheet, predominantly we're working with project teams, project managers, but actually there are so many different use cases. Ferg mentioned earlier that the platform is hugely versatile. So we work with different stakeholders all the time. So it's being able to kind of understand what language they speak and speak to them in their language to to resonate. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to add that. That makes perfect sense. I mean, that's um, well, a lot of what you're saying there actually applies across all business isn't it i know I'm, I'm nodding my head along but i'm seeing what we do at Brightside in, in, a, in a similar way there's things that you were talking about there daisy of understanding your client's language essentially um is okay that could be as simple as the the um acronyms that they use internally right it could be as simple as knowing um that um that i don't know said said project manager loves dogs and that's they want to talk about their dog for five minutes first and that actually means a lot to them um if you do that then naturally they're gonna be way more engaged with what you've got to say afterwards and it's all relationship stuff again isn't it um which to a lot of people comes across very naturally like clearly to you guys it's a natural thing for you to be doing in business is to be building relationships and helping people out and delivering solutions but it often gets lost in the b2b world like people get hung up on kpis and i've got to deliver this because my boss said so and all of those sorts of things it's um it's actually i believe at the moment um quite a movement that's happening out there with with relationship ways of building businesses and that's why there are as I referenced earlier, speedboats of of, of of organizations popping up left, right and center who are just really good at delivering um, and really good at building relationships. Yeah, and yeah, I totally agree. And we promote going on site with customers to kick off the project and going on site, you know, on an ongoing basis. It's, it's great to have to build a, a strong relationship with with your with your partners um so yeah it's it's definitely something that we pride ourselves on as a team so you know there's obviously me 
Berg and Ben, but we've now hired um, five other people, four other people. Nice. Five other people, yeah. So yeah, now nice. we're a, we're an eight person business, and yeah, we're trying to sort of impart our um, message on relationship building onto them. Um, so yeah, it's very much something that we live and breathe here. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, and to I, I was just going to stick with the the speedboat analogy that you that you've used a couple of times there, and actually, that's one thing that we are hoping to do within these big organizations you know they can be these big oil tankers that you know 200 mile turning circle or whatever but actually if we can find those champions if we can find those advocates if we can find the pockets where we can really make a difference actually it doesn't have to be a massive undertaking to change how a business is is operating we can get in there we can demonstrate really quickly how how easy it is to take processes standardize them scale them and start you know, providing all those val- the the benefits that that a tool like this can really bring, saving time, saving effort, saving duplication, taking away stress from people's lives, getting them home earlier from work. You know, it all all culminates in some kind of outcome or objective that that really does help help people within those businesses. Yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible. I mean, it's and it's a really exciting space, right? Um, I don't know if we got if we I think it was in our preamble before we jumped on the recording, but you know. Personally, I've been on this mission of trying to find the paperless solution and playing around with primitive tools, I guess is the right way to say it, and kind of um, hodgepodging together, you know, Evernote with Notion and all those sorts of things, right, and using to-do lists and all that sort of stuff, right, just to try and get paperless and be more efficient and and manage teams as well. Um, But it, it just seems like collaboration right now is such a huge huge topic and it feels like um from an outsider in like you guys are the pros at this but from kind of a i guess a champion within within our business of of collaboration tools and being efficient with tech um and 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 SaaS based solutions is it feels like we're at the precipice now of kind of like a decade's worth of work if not more um in tech moving away from old ways of doing things to more efficient ways of doing things. Um, I don't know, maybe maybe COVID has accelerated that a little bit um, with hybrid working, but it does seem like you guys are in a really exciting space at the moment. Um, so I guess my question to you both will be, what do you find the most exciting thing at the moment? And I, I don't mean necessarily from a like smart sheet features perspective. I mean from experts at collaboration and implementing collaboration what are you guys finding is really really topical at the moment and really exciting you you two as professionals in the space yeah i would say you know covid has definitely accelerated that move over to collaborative work management tools we saw it um went well we were at smartsheet so we were still at smartsheet then um we had an amazing year in terms of sales and projects. A lot of customers were realizing that the ways they were working were not fit for the the modern day, um, especially, you know, sharing pieces of work, as Ferg was mentioning earlier, with um, versioning of, of documents and things like that. When everyone was forced to stay at home, it just wasn't, you know, practical. And so we definitely saw, you know, um, an increase in evaluations at that point. Um, what I will say is this year, um, with the economic uncertainty, a lot of organisations are looking at efficiency. 
um, within their organizations. And that just means that they're looking at where resources are spending their time. So having that visibility is key. Um, be understanding where processes can be streamlined. So where things can be automated. So obviously that's where Smartsheet comes in as well. Um, we can support teams, streamline processes and automate the way um, they they provision projects and, you know, manage tasks. So that's definitely something that we're hearing a lot when we have conversations with our customers. Um, and it's just about having that that kind of overarching visibility of, of what's happening, what projects are being run across your organization um, and are things being delivered in a timely manner, um, all things which Smartsheet can help with. Do you find there's different sectors, Daisy, that, that are more receptive to this at the moment? Yeah, I would definitely say public sector is, is a key one. Um, there's a lot of pressure um, for public spending at the moment. Um, there's a lot of pressure on public spending at the moment. So um, a lot of leaders in that space are looking at where efficiencies can be made and looking at their their suite, their tech, their tech stack and mm -hmm. understanding where they can potentially get rid of technologies or add technologies that do the job of maybe three technologies. Um, so, yeah, that I would say that in pub, in the public sector, it's very prevalent. Um, I mean, pretty much it's industry agnostic. Yeah, I thought you might um, say that. Work, I, I was yeah. saying it to you like with a pinch of salt, thinking, hold on a minute. I know you guys can literally work with any sector. But yeah. um, it's interesting to know, isn't it? Like with this, this shakeup of hybrid working and efficiencies, and we've got the cost of living going on, we've got everything happening right now. Um, efficiency and time and organisation is everything, right? When change is happening. Um, so the, the, it's interesting you mentioned the public sector, though, um, given that it's quite, you know, they're traditionally you know, can be quite um, slow oil tankers to use the uh, to use the analogy, basically. Are you finding you guys are making a big difference in that space? We're absolutely hoping to. And it's um, it's a new framework that we were onboarded to last year. And as a new company, that's pretty kind of significant achievement, being able to work with these, these government organizations and public sector bodies. Um, and I think one of the challenges that, that any technology company will face at this point is it's very easy in times of challenge or times of financial hardship to look at technology as an added cost rather than a way to reduce other costs. Uh, and one of the things that we want to really communicate is, you know, yes, it is an investment. You might have to you know, kind of invest in some kind of process or tooling, but actually if, if that investment can give you visibility across how you're spending your money across your 18 different teams or 15 different departments, and actually that enables you to save 20% or 5%, whatever it is over the course of the year, that investment is absolutely worth it. And it's really bringing businesses into the modern age in terms of that visibility. I, I don't think lots of people out there, again, I was a, a technology consultant working with tools nonstop all day, every day. I was a, you know, a kind of advocate for all of this um, kind of information and kind of technology, taking it to these big customers. And even I didn't know what, what technology was really capable of in this space. So, you know, being able to increase visibility, give people awareness of, of literally where every pound is going in their organization um, 
leads to them making better decisions it leads to them you know avoiding having to sack 500 people just because they feel the financial pressure actually they can now make really insight driven decisions uh, and make the right decisions for for the business at, at the point they're at well, that's super interesting um, i mean that's the um it's the dream right at the moment for for organizations uh, is, it, is it quite easy for you guys to implement that because there's a lot going on there in what you've what you've said um I can see can see the value um, massively. I can see it. You know, I've obviously seen the system in action. For you guys, when you when you're bringing on a new a client, I'm guessing there's a there's a need to getting get them live quite quickly. I'm guessing. How how do you manage that from a client success point of view? How do you get them on? How do you then get them engaged and and figure out what's important, what's not important, and and take them on board? I guess. Yeah. So. They have to purchase the software first before we start the project. So yeah, that's absolutely right. Right, We need to get them up and running as quickly as possible because our objective is for them to get the most value out of the, the get the most value out of their investment. So um, in terms of timelines, we'll, we're always going to sit down with, with customers at the beginning of their project and determine when do they want this solution stood up by and then we'll work back from there. Mm -hmm. um so we typically follow three phases we have a innovate phase so that's where we kind of look at the um we gather requirements from the the customer and we figure out um what how this thing needs to be structured i think ferg needs to talk through this actually so are you are you the innovate stage guy are you ferg I'm the guy who comes and talks to customers about how we go and do this so yeah i'll take a stab at it but yeah i mean essentially what we're looking to do is get them from point A to point B, uh, and that involves you know a, l- a number of different activities. But essentially, it's about identifying where are the pain points, you know, where are the inefficiencies today, how can you be better, or how can you you know operate better as a company. And then you know we sit down, we draw out the process. You know, what are you doing today? Where would you like to be in the future? You know, and we can use the platform to then suggest how we can enhance that, automate things, start scaling parts of their business. And then once we understand what we need to do, then it's over to us. That's the hard part for us. We just get fingers on keyboard we get heads down and we start building Um, we iterate back to customers so it's a very collaborative process that we go through it's not a case of they drop us a set of requirements and we go away and come back a month later and and that's the first time they'll ever see anything every week we're playing it back and testing our understanding of their process our understanding of their their ultimate objective and then at that point you know we kind of hand it over to the customer and after that it's all about training them making sure that they're ready for it um making sure that they understand why it's been put together like that Um, a lot of the time we work with a project team of five people from the customer organization but actually this is going to be used by 500 people so it's now translating those initial requirements into you know the value and the benefits that the rest of those users are really going to get from the tool and then yeah we train those users we document everything we make sure that they have the support as they start to use it um and at that point that's that's almost the start of our long-term relationship really you know once we've proven ourselves and once we've proven the platform can work for them at that point we start seeing real buy-in from the business real kind of expansion opportunities and that's that's where we love to exist 
That's awesome. I was just going to ask you how you did that and how you organised it, but um, I think that might be a stupid question, actually. I'm guessing you use Smartsheet to do all of this. Yeah, we use Smartsheet <laughs> for everything. Smartsheet is the backbone of our business. You know, Smartsheet is the backbone of Smartsheet's business and being a, a, a Smartsheet spin-off, you know, it's logical that we follow that. And again, we have to practice what we preach and that is why we're so good at what we do. We, we use it all day, every day. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Simple. That's cool. No, it's awesome. So, um, so talk about how you um, how do you simplify that process for everybody? Because it's um, as we're thinking in the B two B world, right? It's very the skill that you guys have and the skill with business leaders is you take something very complicated, you make it simple so people understand how you solve the solution. You can articulate it in in you know an elevator pitch or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, you make it so it's understandable, and then they go, okay, yeah, I get that. Carry on, okay. But actually, making it simple is another thing, right? Particularly when it's SaaS based. Um, you know, obviously for us, there's a lot of complex things going on in the background with, with Brightside, but it's about simplicity of the journey, and people get what you're doing. How do you, how do you guys make this big complex thing of Smartsheet? simple for your clients i suppose it's speaking to their pain points Mm -hmm. so it's about having that initial conversation and understanding their processes and where they're experiencing pain and then you're mapping smart sheet to that pain okay well to alleviate that pain so you know typically we would have a discovery conversation Um, And then following that, we would do a demonstration of the platform and we would cover off the areas in Smartsheet that are going to help that customer get over that problem or alleviate that pain for them. So I suppose that's how that simplifies it for them because then they can see, okay, so if I start using Smartsheet, I won't have to send out emails to all of my my team anymore, reminding them to update a status, Smartsheet will do that for me. So it's about allowing them to see how they can benefit from the platform and how that's going to change the way they work. Does that, that answer your question? It makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Have you got something to add there? And, yeah, well, I'm a process nerd. That's kind of the bit that I love. So documenting what they're doing today again a lot of companies or a lot of people don't think there is a process you say to them so what's your process and i say don't really have one but um but you know whether they're passing around post-its or whether they're using you know an advanced tool there's always a process there somewhere helping them understand that is is one of the first challenges often um but then taking that and again mapping it out literally putting it down in literal visual format so you can see this is this is complex this is messy this is you know you've got repetition you've got duplication and from that we can literally start to cut out those pain points you know what are the extra steps what are there where are the misses where are the bits that it has to go back through four or five times and from there we can kind of clean up that process mm-hmm. and at that point that's how we translate it into a smart sheet architecture smart sheet is essentially built on three different components you have these sheet um, objects which which are ex- essentially like a grid like excel but now we can connect 
tens, you know, tens, hundreds, thousands of these together to start sharing information between them. And when we could start combining those with the reporting and visualization features of Smartsheet, um, it just creates this structure that eventually, or you know, hopefully it doesn't take too long, um, but customers start to understand the purpose of each of those items. So we're going to manage work within a grid or a sheet. That's where we capture tasks. That's where we update end dates. That's where we update statuses. But then we can report on that by pulling key bits of information from 100 project plans up to a, a slightly higher level. And we could say, right, what are the key metrics here? Where are our key risks? What are the key milestones that we've got coming up in the next two weeks? Or what are the key milestones that we've missed in the last two weeks? And then you can present all of that information in a really configurable and versatile format called the dashboard. And on a dashboard, that's where the true kind of exec view or portfolio view comes into play. And you can surface all of this information from your organizational pyramid all the way up. You can cascade it through the business and really show at different levels what's important to different stakeholders. You can split out those views. Again, it's a hugely versatile tool that just enables us to look at the audience. What do they need to see? Um, you, we can give that to them, but also, you know, give them the right level of visibility into into the work being managed um, at the lower levels of that data hierarchy. That's awesome. And that does so, sound quite complicated. I suppose your question, Robbie, was how do we simplify that? Mm. Um, so Ferg's gone through and described everything, um, and there's quite a, a few different components there. Uh, was, um, was that but, the um, the process nerd? Um, yeah, the, pro the, the process nerd. It, yeah. And <laughs> Ferg loves an object diagram and he will build one for every customer. And it does help the customer, well, it helps ground the conversation for the customer um, before you go in and see Smartsheet. There's, um, especially if you're new to the platform, that you know, it's um, good to understand the different components. But what I would say is that we are, we help the customer, well, we design the solution for the customer. Right, we okay. Build the, we build it for the customer. And in some cases, um, we collaborate with the customer to build it, uh, depending on their sort of skill set. Um, but then we enable them to use that, that solution. And we give them the documentation, we empower them to, to feel comfortable to, to use that and make changes to that solution. So when they're using it, hopefully by the end, it will be something that solves their problems but also they feel um they can use very easily and i suppose as well guys is, is if it's um all in one place as well in smartsheet then the um the ux user experience is consistent i guess um you know i'm guessing that's a huge part of the journey for client success is you've got all of the all the sexy bits happening in the background that that Ferg was explaining just there but ultimately what the user wants is okay presented to me is solution to my problems in an easy way to understand is is that right and something that's, that feels familiar every time I open it yeah absolutely it kind of depends on their specification how um, the team would like to to view the different items that we've created for them but Smartsheet does have um, applications that um, improve user experience so there's work apps where you can curate the the experience of the solution for a specific role or user okay um so for example if you're a project manager when you go into your work app you're going to see your project plan you're going to see your project manager dashboard you might see a couple of reports that are relevant to you um so it's a 
a no-code feature within Smartsheet that allows you to create that that really nice curated experience for the individuals that interact with with the solution. I think that's a really key point. Um, Smartsheet calls itself a low code or a no code platform. So the difference here is that, you know, when we look at other platforms all the time to see how they compare against Smartsheet's functionality. But the idea is that, you know, once you get to a certain level of understanding with Smartsheet, you can pretty much go and build this for yourself. You know, you're not tied to a consultancy. You're not tied to the software vendor who has to come in and, you know, deliver expensive projects. Um, you can literally create processes, projects, programs, marketing campaigns, digital asset management, all of that can be self-sufficient within a company um, because of that low code um, approach. So, you know, if you're familiar with Excel, you can absolutely use Smartsheet. If you, you know, like graphic design, you can start playing around with dashboards and literally designing your own dashboards. So super kind of flexible, configurable, but also, you know, the, the barrier to entry is very, very low when it on the technical side. That, that, that is our goal, isn't it, for our customers to empower them to use the platform to it to its full extent and be able to build their own solutions and enhance their own processes with um without us obviously we can get them going we can make them successful but um that is the end goal for us um as a partner sounds quite emotional when you have to say goodbye to them or they're getting they're getting good at it. it's like teaching somebody how to ride a bike i guess and letting go <laughs> <laughs> well they know they know we're always there we're just in the background <laughs> very good love that i love that so i'm, I'm conscious that we're, we're coming towards the end of our um time together and, and you guys are always welcome back um i think the i think um one of the key things that would be super valuable for people listening now is you guys are, are you've, you've you've kind of lived it and then you've started your own business um in the areas of expertise okay your business to business focus You've taken this leap in 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 a in a massive time um, worldwide with you know the economy as they are and everything shifting etc cetera, etc. Cetera. What would you say are your kind of top success tips? And I'm not I'm not looking for bullet points here. Just say whatever comes to mind. Um, but your top success tips for B2B founders and leaders as well. Remember, a lot of these the people listening will be kind of um, leaders in their space. What tips have you got for the guys out there? Oh. Well, firstly, it's it's good to plan going into this, but it's also funny to look back at our plans now and realise that you just have no idea what's going to happen. Um, it's good to, to set goals. We, we set some goals for Invoca and we were very fortunate to... Um, to get to those goals and, and smash those goals, but... Um, we we had no idea really what we you know what we were going to be able to achieve within our first year. As I said at the beginning, I feel very fortunate to have had Fergus. Fergus, I feel very fortunate to have had Ferg and Ben um, to work with um, through this through this journey. Um, it's it. I think it's just having people around you, whether that's your partners or people that you employ, or you know. Um, people in your network that you can ask for advice and soundboard off because there will be lots of decisions you need to make and it can be a bit overwhelming at times. So just having people that you can speak to about um, the processes and yeah, 
potential ideas that you're having um, is is key. That's awesome. Yeah, I, th- I would say that would be the the main thing from me. Wise words, yeah. Daisy. Ferg, anything from you? Um, it sounds a bit cliche, but kind of do what you know. Um, you know, we could have stepped out of Smartsheet and said, oh, we'll go and look at another technology and start a consultancy, but we would nowhere near have had this success that we've had this year. You know, our technical knowledge, our commercial knowledge, all of that makes us really credible. So um, my advice would be, you know, try and have some experience in the space and definitely make it something you're passionate about. Um, The passion is going to keep you in when it gets hard. Um, You know, it's not easy. I heard an expression or a saying that was starting a business is killing yourself for a year so that you can relax for the rest of your life. And, you know, we thought we've just just passed our year anniversary and we're not quite in the relaxation position yet. And it's funny, isn't it? Since our one-year anniversary, I feel like it's got even crazier. So we're in year two now, Ferg. What, What happens in year two? Well, I mean, hopefully it's just grow, grow, grow. And I think the the main lesson that we're finding at the moment is that um, if the founders are so important to the business, right? If they're they're the source of knowledge, they're the th- source of thought leadership. Um, what I would say is try and transfer that knowledge as quickly as possible. You need to be able to trust. You need to be able to depend on other people in the business. You cannot keep it all to yourself. You know, one of the things that we're probably worst at is delegating to other people because, again, we want the product quality to be high, the solutions to quality to be high. But you have to get over that pretty quickly, and we're going to need people who can come in and not replace us, but definitely augment what we do and definitely share the workload because you cannot run a business you can't be in eight different calls at the same time at some point you have to bring people in you have to give them the knowledge and you have to trust that they're going to help drive that forward but another element there is you know bringing them in on the journey make them feel part of it you know they're not just an employee if they're number one in the door you've got to treat them like they are family you know they've got to know how important they are to you because you know any person that comes in if you lose them after six months or nine months Although they may have brought value to the business initially, that's a big uh, kind of source of value for you that is going to walk out the door. So, you know, treat them well, keep them around and make sure that they understand the vision and why you're doing this and, and they can feel part of it. Yeah, and that's super I'll important. say that we've been we've been very lucky with our hires to date. We've got a really solid team. Um, but yeah, we've just, you know, we've got a few more people to hire in the, the coming months. So, yeah, it's it's you know, hugely important that we get the right people. I am. I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you on that. The, um, the, from, from a bright side perspective, we've, we've in the last um, two years in particular, have made some really important hires who, like you say, they're like family. Um, I'll, I can give some shout outs. So I, I won't be that cheesy, but they know who they are. There's, <laughs> there's, it's, um, they make the difference, right? They, they free you guys up to then think about the vision and keep chipping away at the vision as well. Um, and, it's all revolves around the culture, really, um, and the culture is a group of people, isn't it? Essentially, yeah. it's down it's down to business leaders to set the tone of that culture and, and the right, um, you know, the right vibes, so to speak, within the culture. Um, so, I mean, that's, it's really refreshing to hear you guys say that, actually, because people forget about it. You know, the, people will say an organisation is a group of people; it's all about the people. But actually, to to comments like treat them like family, make sure they they feel you know um, the value that they're adding is 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 perpetuated back, um, is massively important. And um, that's um, I think that was incredibly wise words, Ferg and Daisy. That was uh, I'm feeling a bit emotional about that. 
awesome. Obviously, yeah. you've just been through the same journey yourself, and and uh, I don't think this is your first time either. So you've got some more experience than us. Well, you're doing. It sounds like you're doing incredible things, guys. So thank you for your time today. I think one thing we we must do though is cover off where we can find you, where the guys listening can find you, and if they want to um, hear more about Smartsheet or, or whatever else Invoker's doing, or just congratulate yeah. you on your first podcast, where can we find you? They can check us out on LinkedIn, search for Invoker Consulting, or the website www.invokerconsulting.com. Uh, you know you can contact us through there. If you want to find more information about Smartsheet, then it's just smartsheet.com. There's huge amounts of information and resources there about the tool and the platform. Um, but yeah, the the last thing I would say, just on that business side again, you know, it may sound like a, it's a, a kind of monumental challenge to start some kind of business like this, but the the rewards are absolutely there um you know do not let it stop you i've kind of longed to be an entrepreneur for my entire life and i never quite had the right opportunity it never felt quite the right time but with the you know the two people that i've been lucky enough to meet and do this with and now the rest of them um you know it's been an absolute whirlwind but the rewards are just you know unmeasurable immeasurable you know it's it's amazing you're gonna make me cry ferg that's uh, great <laughs> awesome guys thank you so much for your time today and um let's see what comes back in in terms of the, the hype around invoker but um, i'm pretty sure everything you just shared there is is super valuable for listeners so thank you for your time cool. and um we'll see you soon hey guys really hope you found today's on the bright side podcast interesting and full of business to business sales and marketing advice if you like what you hear please head over to our LinkedIn page for more free content. And, of course, feel free to connect with me, Robbie McGregor, or any of my My Brightside team for the latest news, advice, or even a quick friendly chat. Until next time, stay on the bright side.